On today's episode, Dave interviews Dylan Jones. Dylan is a singer, choreographer, and actress. Dylan has appeared in the films Ghost World, Evan Almighty, and A Leading Man. Dylan performs in Los Angeles at the Elephant Theater, Zoo District, and Antios Theater. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. It's a crazy time that we live in, you know what I mean? Well, that's the truth. And I keep talking about that, about the idea of uh, how everything is at, I've said this so many times, but how everything is at our fingertips if we, if we want it to be. Yeah. And the, I mean, that global consciousness has A, destroyed the world and made the world a better place all at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know that, I don't think the world's destroyed. Well, I, th I think in the sense of sort of everything's kind of melded together that you kind of go places and the individuality of it has kind of been robbed because it just gets so infiltrated with access to other cultures that it's kind of watered everything down a mm -hmm. little, just in that way. But it also, I think, I, I see what you're saying, and I also think that it has given us access to those things that we never would have had access to. Absolutely. And I, I look at all, I look at, certainly this year, 2014, um, and the fact that I have traveled 70, I will have traveled 70,000 miles. Right. I'm not even done. Right. You know, I've got, I'm traveling on New Year's Eve. I've traveled 70,000 miles, and I've met people and seen people. I've been, you know, on three continents and uh, a couple of islands. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, what happened? But it's only because we have the access to it. Right, exactly. Well, and also, too, like most of life, everything's a total contradiction. It's like you see the bad and you see the good with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was in Shanghai, it was, it was so much like New York. And it looked like New York. And all of that had just been built up. And it's like, which came first, like that they wanted to make it look that way or that, you know, you, you just don't, you don't know where the influence, which came first. Yeah. You know? and, and I would think that Shanghai might be older than New York. Uh, it is. However, the city itself, as it's being built up, most of the city wasn't even there. They are, you know, they have the joke of the national bird is the crane. So everywhere you look, you see these cranes that are building brand new buildings, and they're destroying the old Shanghai at the same time. They're just getting rid of it and building up this new Shanghai, A, to accommodate the massive amounts of people because it's like there's 23 million people that live in Shanghai. Is it China? Excuse yeah. my ignorance. Yeah, it's China. China. Mm -hmm. There's 23 million people that live in Shanghai, and it's just a little bit larger than Hollywood proper. I mean, it's just, it's so massive. And then you go, you have this across the river 20 years ago. Like the, the skyline that most people are familiar with of Shanghai wasn't there 20 years ago. It was all rice paddies. And now it's an entire skyline like New York, except that it, the whole thing grew over the last 20 years. It's, uh, it's incredible. You're from, you're from L.A. You're, I'm a third generation Angelina. So you're a third generation Angelina. Yeah. And um, uh, because coming from Chicago, well, you must have seen one a lot of the of best towns in the world. I love it so much. But coming from Chicago, when I go back to Chicago, there's so many buildings that are torn down mm -hmm. and other buildings that are put up. And I look at it, and, the, and it's interesting because I think I mentioned this before the only way that I really know where it is that I am very often is the light. The way that the light shines angles, on, angles mm -hmm. onto mm -hmm. a particular neighborhood, I'm thinking, 
I think I know where I am based on. I must the be life. west. I, I, not just that. <laughs> I must be. I must be at Belmont and Lincoln right now because that. And you go, okay, that right? store was not that store. Those people there, you know, those, right. that, that that was mm -hmm. this kind of a store. Um, but living in LA, um, I've seen a lot of changes going on. Los Angeles does that. We tear down our history and then build right. a build a new shopping mall. You know, like that really great Joni Mitchell line. It's like they tore it down and put up a parking lot, right. you know, and it's like, we do that all the time. <coughs> and, Mostly because we don't spend that much time building stuff. What do you mean? <laughs> well, the things that we build often are kind of disposable anyway. Stucco is not really meant oh God, for long right. term, right? right? So you can just tear it down. It, it's, they do it because it's cheaper to tear it down and start over than it is to redo what's already there. My uncle had a house, a wooden house in Beverlywood mm. that he had, um, had just it just turned into a dump right. and uh, he and we moved him to a, an assisted living facility and he lives there now and he doesn't ever talk about his house he doesn't ask about his house we, we kind of had to huh. do law things in order to get him to move out you know that sort of stuff right. and his house was sold torn down and he doesn't here's the thing he doesn't even think about his house. He doesn't talk about his house. He doesn't ask about his house. He thinks he's living free in this assisted living facility. Um, <laughs> but it's the idea of, I used to get upset. I used to get upset looking at, oh my God, they're tearing that thing down. But then I realized, you know what? Before that thing was there, there was something else that was there that was mm -hmm. torn down in order for that thing to be there. So right. what is it that I'm holding on to that's so precious? Like, why is it that I care? Right. Well, I, I think like much of life, we always resist the impermeable nature of life. I mean, that's the only struggle that we have. You know, it's like the Buddha says the only problem that we have is not accepting that life is, death is as much a part of life. And that our attachments that go along with that are all a representation of not accepting that death is a part of what life. What do you mean? Well, if we accept that death is as much a part of life as life, then we aren't afraid of things changing. You know, everything's always changing, whether we want it to, whether we notice it, whether we want to notice it. it that <coughs> impermeable nature is always there anyway. Mm -hmm. So the things that we hold on to are all an extension of wanting to make, keep something the same. You know, and that's the only time we ever have a problem is like, I want to hold, trying to hold on to something. Right. You know, and the second that you let go, you're in the flow again and, you know, The second that you let go, you're in the flow again. Mm -hmm. The second that you let go, you're in the flow again. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I really like my stuff looking around here. There's just such evidence yeah. of me being alive. And not just me being alive, but um, this is my uncle's table. Yeah. And um, that was my uncle's chair and ottoman. Love it. And um, that, there's a lamp behind. That's my parents' lamp from when they got married. That was a wedding gift from, mm -hmm. from 57 years ago. So these things aren't just things that I am holding on to that are mine, but things that my folks were holding on to that ended up them letting stuff yeah. go. So yeah. the moment that you detach yourself from them, you really, it is that, I, I mentioned this before, but um, a, 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 an ex-girlfriend of mine, she didn't schlep around baggage. She slept around a baggage carousel, <laughs> which is other people's <laughs> fucking baggage, you know? Wow, right. You know? And other people's, like my baggage, you know? She went through my baggage. Right, looking, right. And that suddenly became her baggage. Interesting. I had to let it go. Can you let it go? Can you let it go? 
can you fucking let it go? I think there's a lot of stuff we let go of all the time, and occasionally we pick it back up again. <laughs> we just have to let go of it again. Oh my god! You know, it's like I, you know, it's like this reflex action, and then all of a sudden something gets triggered, and then all of a sudden I'm like, nope, holding on to that one again. <laughs> it's just like that's not even yours anymore. You left that at the top of a mountain in some meditation retreat. It's like, oh right, great, I can just let it go again. I and, and yet I, I, another ex girlfriend <laughs> you're talking about these days. Another ex girlfriend of mine who kept holding is I haven't spoken to her in two years, and she brings up stuff and it's like I can't talk to you anymore because you yeah. were bringing in the past which is the now well but the past is just as important as the now it's like no the past is not as important as the now the past is not now now is now past doesn't exist anymore the past doesn't exist anymore the future has never existed and the now is all that we have right now so if you want to make this a bad situation it's going to be <laughs> bring up the easy. past exactly <laughs> right it's right yeah you bring it up bring up the past and that's what's going to happen yeah. Because right now, you know what's happening right now? This. That's this what's is what's happening, happening right, now. right now. And if anybody's listening, you know, whoever's listening to this right now, get has the moment yeah. to take the moment to turn this fucking thing off and yeah. look around them and go, "This is where I am right now." Yeah. The only the only thing the past dicta dictates for your future is the past. If you keep bringing the past with you, you know, it's like it will become your future if you want it to, and if you bring it to everything, and if you let it go, then you can create what you want from nothing. Right. And that's up to you. You're going to get the result of whatever it is that you do. Yeah. You know, the, we don't have, you know, I don't really like the saying, but it's kind of true. That like, I don't really have much say about what happens to me. I have say about what I do about what happens to me. You know, I, I think that we do have some power about what happens to us, but, you know, we can't get too metaphysical about it. It's easiest to just say it's like what happens happens and. I can well, only do something about what I do about what happens. I think that for me, when you were saying that about I, I can't be, I, 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 well, how do you say it? You can't be responsible or in charge what, how do you, of, of what happens. How do you put it? Uh, you can't. I don't know which one I just said. Okay, I don't know either. Somebody else will correct me. Right. That's listening. But, but it's that <laughs> like I can be in charge of me not putting my hand in in a in a lit oven. Mm. I can do that. Absolutely. But as far as you. Your arrival to my house at the time that you came to my apartment right now, you got here when you got here, mm -hmm. and when you got here is when you got here. And mm -hmm. the way that I look at it, I feel like I'm not in charge of any of that stuff. No. And Nor do you have to be. That's the, that's the liberating part is I don't have to be in charge of that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people really have a hard time saying, no, I've got to be in charge. Like this woman who's like mm -hmm. bringing up the past. You know, she's like, the past is a predicate of the future. I'm like, it, again, it's like what mm -hmm. you said, Dylan. It's like, if you fucking say so. A absolutely. You're the only person who decides. Right. And if that's what you want, you know, it's like there's so much. I think the hardest part about, you know, living in that space where we're talking, you know, that space that we're talking about, I think the hardest part is that we have a lot of evidence in our past that shows us what should be true about right now. What do you mean? Well, if uh, you want to look for evidence that this has happened before, therefore it's going to happen again, you can find that. You can also, if you want to look at your past, look at how you've been completely taken care of your entire life, even when you felt completely abandoned, something worked out in a way that allowed you to still be here right now, and you can make that your future. You know, it's up to you. The right. only thing that I do have any control over is what I do and what I say, especially what I say to myself. 
Right. And that's the most important thing. I don't have any control over what my brain thinks. I have control over what I do with what my brain thinks. I can sit there and believe it and go, oh, absolutely, you're right. My life is crap and nobody loves me. Sure, let's look. Let's go with let's go with that. Right. <laughs> or I can go. No, actually, I'm a totally lovable person. I'm a good person. I do everything that I can to just be decent in the world. What can I do right now to have some compassion and love for myself, and then maybe I can find it for other people. Because for me, it all starts from me. You know, I have the hardest time letting go of any judgment I have of somebody else because I'm so hard on myself. You have a hard time letting go of judgment that you have for somebody else. That's what you're saying? Well, yeah. When those things come up, uh-huh. it's always because I'm judging myself. Right. Usually that I'm judging myself that I think that or that I feel that about somebody else <laughs> because they're reflecting something that I just don't want to look at in my own life. Right. Pretty much. It's the basis of everything in life. And if you really want to get to the root of it, take a look at it. You know, that for me, I mean, that's give the hardest the time part. to take a look at. I think a lot of people don't give themselves the time to take a look at. It. They're like, I'm going to deal with that later, or yeah. instead of the moment. Well, I think I, I, I personally think that it, it, we attach so much judgment to our judgments that it is so painful to look at being human that we we feel like we have to avoid it. It's like, oh my god, this is just too much. It's like lean into that. It's, it's not that it's too painful. That's what the sensation is. Right. Okay, so it feels like my skin is on fire when I do that. Okay, great. So that's what it feels like to be that hard on yourself, that you're being that hard to somebody else. Okay. <clears throat> it's also interesting, the, the idea of to be aware of the, that emotion of pain. Mm-hmm. To say, and I'll... Uh, let's see, when I broke my foot. I talk about this a lot. When I broke my foot, um, I remember thinking, oh, this is what the pain is of breaking your foot. Mm-hmm. This is what it feels this like. This is what it feels like. This, this is, what... is what this sensation feels like. Right. And yeah. for me to go, I wish that it wasn't, okay, good, I understand that you wish you weren't in pain, but that doesn't make it go away. Mm-mm. Let's talk about what that is in that moment, or at least live in that moment yeah. and go, okay, that's the pain that is, that's called that pain. Right now, I've got a cold. I mean, I think I have a cold. I'm not quite sure. I think sure. I have a cold. Maybe, it's, have a cold. Maybe yeah. it's not a cold. Maybe it's an allergy. But I do know that my head is clogged and I feel like right. this is what's happening and this is what's happening. Me wishing for that not to feel that is not going to make it go away. No. What's making it go away is me to say, oh, right now uh, I kind of lost track of what it was that Dylan and I were talking mm-hmm. about, but I'm going to come back to it. And I went away yeah. because probably because my head's full of mucus. Right. And I went away and that went away. Yeah. But here's the great thing about that. I got the fun of experiencing what the experience was to experience that. Because mm-hmm. that's the only thing we're here for, isn't it? To experience life to its fullest. Right. And I think those of us who are actors, or artists in any sense, mm-hmm. really are able to, to look at those things, even if you don't have a palette or a, a canvas or a stage uh, or a, a, a pottery wheel or a kiln, you are still able to look at the world and go, oh, okay, I'm here to experience all those things that are happening Mm-hmm. And to experience them in its all the nowness. Yeah, that's a nice. I like how you just said that. Yeah, because there are moments I think that even as a performer, where like you're, I've I've had the experience of just being in the worst kinds of pain I've ever experienced, and there's still part of me that's aware that, oh, this is something so real that if I can remember where this lives, that I can connect to it. 
and another person at another time, that it can be an access access point right. for humanity in the future, mm -hmm. you know, for something truthful, you know, that darkness that we have inside of us, that light that we have inside of us. If you kind of take a mental picture, you, you can use it as something useful for later. It's interesting that you talk about darkness and light because that mm. because of the play that we were in together, yeah. uh, the Master and Margarita, mm. which is really all <laughs> about darkness and light. Absolutely, it was about in order for there to be light, there has to, in order for there to be shadows, there has to be light. Yeah. There has to be the in order there to be darkness, there has to be light. In order for there to be evil, if you want to say it, there yeah. has to be something called good. In order for there to be life, there has to be a concept called death. And we go back to the beginning of what it was they were talking about, like mm. that whole feeling right there. Of, there is no good, there is no bad, there just is. Yep. Well, and I love that, that <clears throat> there's a saying that's something like that there's no amount of darkness that can survive light. Right. You know, like there's no corner that when you put light on it that darkness can survive. Right. You know, so it's like, let's look in the corner. Let's look, what's over there? I mean, for me, that's the most exciting part about being alive is when I can do that and not, there's, there's no, it just is. There's no judgment about what it is. Right. It just is. Yes. Like, what is that thing in the corner? You know, what is that voice in the corner whispering? You come out here, you say that in front of the whole goddamn class. You say that in front of the whole class and let's listen to what that is. Really? Oh, okay. Well, that kind of hurts my feelings. So that why don't you kinda, go? Doesn't kind of. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Why don't you go stand in the corner mm -hmm. and you know until you're ready to play nice with the other kids and you can come back with some divine thought. And until you do, you can stand in the corner. You know, and it's like until I take control of like that those corners of my mind, they will rule me. If and I love finding out what that thing is in the corner. So it's looking like, at that, how do you discover what that is in the corners if not by going, okay, I'm going to have, okay, because here's the thing. I, I'm going to have the courage to look at those things. I am going right. to have the courage to make that phone call. I'm going to have the courage to, to, um, to, uh, to make that phone call, whatever that phone right, call is. Right. To make that phone call to that person, to make mm -hmm. that phone call to that person to say, you hurt my feelings. To make that phone call to that person to say, give me a job. To make that phone call to that person that says, that where you say, I love you. To make that phone call yeah. because that's what that is. And before you make that phone call, you get to live in the space of before you make that phone call. That mm -hmm. space before you make that phone call is mm -hmm. called being alive. That's yeah. called being alive too because your wanting to make the phone call isn't you making the phone call. Your wanting to make the phone call is a place that you get to live in as well. Exactly. And whether that's anxiousness or it's just, you know, it's like it might feel like anxiousness but really that I'm excited about what might happen and what might come out of this if oh, I yeah. actually do that. Or to be excited about not knowing what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's one of my favorite book, all-time books that I've probably bought for 20 people and don't even have a copy of because I keep giving it away. You know, I just keep buying the book over and over again. Is uh, written by Pema, Tro Pema Children. Pema Children, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's when things fall apart. Oh, and yeah. It's all, it's all about leaning into the sharp points. And one of the things that when I was listening to your podcast that came forward out of this culmination of the kind of conversation that you're having that I loved was honoring our own path you know that was the thing that came forward so clearly to me I think that so much of our pain and difficulty and humanness um, kind of comes from not really honoring our own path even in a way where we're acknowledging for ourselves what it took to make that phone call what it took to 
stand in that fear, how scary that that was for me. And then say, you know, cheering myself on from there going like, look at that thing you confronted today for yourself. All of that. Oh, I have to call an agent and see if they're, see if they got my package and if they want to talk, you know, who cares what, but regardless, you're going to have anxiety about it or whatever it is, like honoring our own path in that way. Because when I do that, then I can honor somebody else's path that I think they're just being an asshole. And it's like, you know, oh, maybe they are, but I can honor them for being where they are, you know, doing. <laughs> I have a friend. I have a friend who says this. Um, I can accept that. Sure that. Did I mess you up? No, I just can't see because of the, the pattern. Yes, I can accept. I can accept that you're doing your best, and I can also accept that your best isn't good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> And I think right. that that's about as truthful as you can be because right. it's like it's really hard when you're dealing with really deep-seated shit right. to be able to say, yeah, they were doing their best. You know what? Their best sucks. Well, and and, and, <laughs> and so I that, can accept that their best isn't good enough. Exactly. Exactly. And You anybody, might have done your best. Yeah, sure. Everyone, but it wasn't what you wanted. Right. But, and I can all, but I also have to honor the fact that it wasn't enough for me. I right. needed something more. <laughs> um. Anybody that's, well, anybody that's ever broken up with somebody, quit a job, uh, ended, uh, 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 I want to say ended a relationship, but every time you quit, every time you leave someone, you don't end a relationship, you just change the relationship. Right. You know what I mean? So you're not ending a relationship. You can never end a relationship once the relationship has started. Mm -hmm. We all have a relationship. So I've any, changed how I relate to you. Exactly. Exactly. I <laughs> yeah. changed our relationship. I changed our relationship. Anybody that's ever gone through that knows what that feeling is where you say, um, and it's, it's usually this, um, you are not, that person is not, they're doing the best job they can, is what you're just saying. Right. They are not capable to give me what it is that I need. That's all. That's all. They're just yeah. not capable to give me what I need, which I think is just such, I, I love that. And how amazing that it's like, great, I'm worth having what I need and I can now go find it from someone who is capable. Exactly. Like. And here's the thing. No, no harm, no foul. You are not capable. So if I want to say, yeah. I can't be upset at you if I say, Dylan, I need for you to, you and I to have a conversation in Sanskrit and it's got to be right the fuck now. And I can't be upset that you can't do that because you're not capable of doing that. I'm not either. But you're not capable right. of doing that. Right. If I need for you to accept me on my terms, mm -hmm. you're not capable to do that. Yeah. And well, that's okay. Yeah, and I have to come to you where you are. I can't always demand that other people come to me where I am. You know, because I'm just going to be disappointed. Because some people can't come to me where I am. And some can. But it's also, you know... It's it's tricky stuff. I mean, that's part of honoring, you know, where where you are. It's like at the same time, my own life. If I look at it every once in a while, it's like I want my life to be someplace other than where I am. Can I come to my life where it is though? Can I come from where I am, not trying to be somewhere else? Come from where I am and own where I am. That now we're gonna go someplace else together. Right. You and you. <laughs> me and me. Right. We're going to go someplace together. Right. And that when I'm scared, hey, I'm scared too. We'll do it together. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> for you to acknowledge that you're scared too and for you to be mindful to say that I am scared to do that, mm -hmm. really the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The idea of 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 fear right. being the idea of fear. And that's what it is. The idea of fear. And yeah. I love the idea of coming to yourself, catching up to yourself to say, this is where it is that I am right now. I just had a conversation with somebody and she was saying, 
yeah, you know, uh, 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 she's new to town and she doesn't know what it is that she's doing and she's unsure of what she's doing. And it's like, you're going to, and that's what happens is we catch up to ourselves mm -hmm. and we take a breath right now to say, okay, finally, I am here with me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm doing a lot of that right now. I had a lot of huge things happen this year. Like I went on tour to China for a month. I just finished my first short film that I wrote and directed and I'm starring in. It's like I'm catching up to where I am. All that work that happened, I, my consciousness is still catching up to this new place that I've created for myself, which is amazing and, you know, and empowering. But sometimes, you know, the little, little part of me wants to control it and keep it a little small. And it's like you can't play that game anymore why do you want to play that game yeah i mean you can't it, it's like it's just this old little like you know tiny puppy that starts yapping in a corner and it was just like baby we're a big dog now come on <laughs> right oh i, I don't get totally to be a little understand. one anymore yeah it's it's been a crazy year it's been i mean I, I, you know, i'm not gonna say for everybody but i the, the amount again the amount of traveling that i've done this year has been so substantial that i took pretty much december off mm -hmm. which is this month to say, yeah, I can't do anything. Well, I'm and traveling sorry. changes you. It just changes who you are. And sometimes you have to stop just to catch up to who you are now because you're not the same person. And, it, and at also, all. I think I, I'm already planning. So these are the things in my to do list. Literally, the things in my to do list. Um, not just fish, but secure because I've already gotten the job. Mm -hmm. Secure work. I've already gotten the job. Right. In London, a different trip, secure work in Dublin, mm -hmm. a different trip, Oahu, a different trip, Maui, a different trip, Australia, mm -hmm. like all these things are, and then San Francisco and Miami and, mm -hmm. you know, and Seattle and going, what, wow, what, right. wow, what? And it's that little voice of you going, slow everything down. But I've already, everything is already happening. Everything's yep. fucking already happening. It's all happening. Mm -hmm. And here's another thing. If I don't want it to happen, I can stop it right now. Right. And you don't have to figure out the strategy at all. All you have to do is put one foot in front of the other. Well, the foot is already there. All that I have to do exactly. is be aware that I'm putting that foot in front of the other foot. Yeah. I mean, that the being free from having to strategize how you're going to make your life happen is, whew. <laughs> it's just like, I trust the strategy of putting my one foot in front of the other and showing up for my life, knowing that everything else shows up for me when I do. That's the strategy I trust. Right. And then all I need to do is take that first step. We've already taken the first step because well, we're in the fucking middle of it all. We're in the middle of it all. It's that, that's a, that that that's true. Yeah, uh, it already it actually already happened. It's already happening. Yeah, everything is already happening. I like that being allowing yourself to be in the middle of it instead of always beginning it. There is no beginning, <laughs> but it goes back to the Buddhist thing. There is no beginning. There is no end. There's yeah. just this thing that starts. And yeah. and and with improvisation, we say the scene starts in the middle. And right, if right, you right. want to go, oh my God, the scene starting in the middle. How do I start the scene starting in the middle? It's like no, you don't have to start the scene starting in the middle. You just have to respond to that which is happening right now. Well, what is it that's happening right now? It's like whatever you think is happening right now, whatever you feel is happening right now. That's what's happening right now. And here's the thing: the person that you're about to talk to. They are anticipating you telling them what's happening right now. Right. And they're going to accept whatever the fuck it is that you're telling them right now that is happening. And all that you get to do, all that you have to do, all that you get to do in this moment, all that you have to do in this moment is respond. And whatever, however way you respond, you're absolutely right. However way you respond, you're absolutely right because that's how you respond. As right. long as you don't strategize. Right. Fuck your strategy. 
<laughs> Fuck your plan, motherfucking B. Fuck your strategy. <laughs> Fuck plan B. Plan B is plan A. Yeah. Because when you start, when if you go, you know what? Um, this isn't working for me. I'm going to do this, which is in front of me right now. That's not plan B. That's your new plan A. Or let's just call it plan L. This is in the middle. A, B, C, D, E, S, T, H, I, J, I love K, it. L. How many letters I in the it. alphabet? 26, I think. 26. Yeah. So M. So we'll say M. Plan M is in the fucking middle. So here's your plan M. What are we going to do? We're going to do plan M. <laughs> because that's what's happening. It's so interesting also to be... Uh, um, <laughs> I think about the play that we did, which is just such a fun play. That was such a, it wasn't just fun. It was a life changer for me. It was. That play. Lauren so. Rubin directed it. Um, Zoo District uh, produced it. Um, Michael Franco uh, adapted the, the book yeah. by Mikhail Bulgakov. And it brought me together with so many people yeah. who have given me such awesome direction mm -hmm. to go in my life. Mm -hmm. And those directions that I went in my life, because the book, Master Margarita, was the first book that my wife ever gave me before really? we were married. And I lived in Chicago, and we read that book. It was her favorite oh. book. And then I read that book, and I loved the book. And then I came to L.A., and I was struggling for a really long time. And then Lauren Rubin, who was working with Katie at the time, said, we're doing this play. And I went, oh, my God. Yeah. And it, that play reminded me that I wasn't in L.A. to struggle over a fucking five and under bit on yeah. a sitcom yeah yeah that was such a building block play certainly for me as, a, as an actor and as a performer and getting to do a show Thursday to Sunday 83 performances I mean 83 performances yeah that we did that and that was something it was like the first time I'd ever done something like that to have that under your belt, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that I was a fledgling before I started, but it like gave me some it gave me a foundational piece that no one can ever take away. You know, I know the work I've done to get me where I am today. Like that's a piece that no one can take away. And, Certainly. And that just the way that that opened the, opens the next door and the next door of you of owning what you have to offer and owning who you are. It was also a really interesting thing, and without getting too into too much of a minutia, what uh, what Paul Valancourt calls inside baseball, mm. where you know you're really just talking about something that people don't give a shit about. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to uh, so at the, at the risk of that, it was all about the process. That show yeah. was all about the process, yeah. putting up the show, everything that we had to go uh, go through, mm -hmm. the rain that totaled all the clothes, and, and we, had we had to, to start all the show and start over show. again. That happened exactly. Easter weekend when we were going to put Jesus on a cross. Yeah, really interesting stuff like that. Right, exactly. Things yeah. that happened because mm -hmm. they happened for us all to go. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So. Yeah. To say that, that, again, we're not in charge. And to surrender ourselves to know that we're not in charge. That there is, I don't want to say a higher power, because I don't really believe that. But I do believe that there is, what you already said, to the flow. There is a flow. And when, when we get in the way of the flow, that becomes the new flow. Mm -hmm. But there's also the appreciation of, I'm in the flow, baby. And all that I have to do is sit in this kayak and I take my oars out of the water and let the flow bring me to the, to the place that, where I'm going. That yeah. I will not know what it is until I get there. Well, that's the truth, yeah. Yeah, closed fist can never receive. Right? <laughs> yeah. Closed fist can never receive. <laughs> yeah. And I, th I mean, that's one of the most amazing things about, you know, 
I think doing a play at all, you know, it's one of the, those things that's like, you don't even know what the play is until you put it in front of an audience. You don't know what it's about. You don't know what it is. You don't know anything until you're standing at the end and you go, oh, wow, look at that thing that just happened. You know, which is, I, I think my, certainly my love for the Russian writers as well kind of came from being so immersed in that perspective that you're telling a story from, of being able to, the struggle of the human condition and in the midst of censorship and in the midst of all of these things where you're trying to find a truth that no one wants you to see. The way that that kind of molds you as an artist as well and the way that you go about cultivating. And to have a director who's really out. able to kind of guide you through all those things, yeah. certainly for the play. Especially play, like there's so much play, right. like right. we're getting into the play of it, like dig into the fun and the play of this. You know? I the points that I remember going through the process were times there were, uh, we would be rehearsing this one thing and Ben Davis who played pretty much, he was, he was uh, it was a Faust story. So I was his consigliere in this play and um, and Ben and I would realize, like, wait a minute, this, that text that you just said is in reference to this text that I just said. Mm -hmm. And he and I had this moment where we didn't have to talk to the director. We just went, okay, we're connecting. And that's when the piece is deep and when the author is, is willing to go to those dark places and yeah. shine the light in those dark places, then the people that are working those pieces, the people that are performing those pieces, get to have revelations that the director and the writer had no idea because we are, we are, we are stepping in those dark corners. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's the most amazing part. You don't even know what it is. Like, if you write something, you don't know what it is until somebody else hands it back to you, and then you go, oh, that's what that was. And if, if, you when know. you're in the middle of it, you have no fucking idea. You have what no it idea because like. I had no you idea. Can't. I don't. I have no idea what that play looked like. Ah, uh, I know. You know what I mean? Right. I, I yeah. I, I do. have no idea what the play looked like. And you go, okay, we were in it. We were backstage. We were on stage. <laughs> we were, in, in, you know, flying pigs and all that shit. And we were in all that. But I have no idea what that looked like because mm -hmm. the moment that you enter a theater as an audience member, mm -hmm. you take it in in a way that the actor has no idea and can, never can. Never can. Even if you were to watch it in a video, you still can't take it in the way that somebody else did. Right. You just can't. And that's the exciting thing. Everybody's having, everybody's having their epiphanies. Mm-hmm. Well, and isn't that the, I mean, for me, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I love baking. It's just something that I love to do. It's mm -hmm. one of those creative things that I love to do, and it's a lot, I think I like it for the same reason that I like theater. Mm -hmm. With theater, you were either there and you saw the play or you didn't. Mm -hmm. With baking, you were either there and you ate the whatever I made or you didn't. Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing, it's not there after that's done. Right. And when that's done, it's gone. Right. And you were either a part of it or you weren't a part of it. And depending, it, the, depending on the conditions, <laughs> it'll either go well if there's too much humidity it's too dry whatever it, it's a chemical experiment that will either go well or it won't and you can't decide what it's going to be before you put it in the oven when it's in the oven you don't know what's going to happen right and that's just how it is and that's one of the things that i love about theater you stand in the wings you know you see the light coming from underneath <laughs> the curtain while you're waiting and in that moment it's still perfect right it's still perfect it can still be anything. It can be the most, in the second you step foot, it's not up to you anymore. Yep, yep. I, I, I always feel that 
people ask if, if I have stage fright in, in improvising, and I think no, because I don't have any expectations. And every moment oh, that I, so if I'm on the side of the stage, mm -hmm. I have no expectation about what's going to happen. If when I'm on the side of the stage, seeing that light come in from underneath the curtain, if if that was what's happening, then I get to go. I this is what I do. I live in this. There's a light coming in from underneath the curtain. Period. Right. That's it. This moment, there is nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Here's another thing. This moment, there is nothing right either. This moment is perfect, mm -hmm. and this moment is imperfect. Right. It's, it's so well, that's so well said. Because, right, can we allow ourselves, there's nothing wrong in this moment. It, it, you, everything is right, and everything is wrong. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Like, it doesn't can you mean let, anything. It's like the willingness to completely fuck up or make a, what you would, might call a mistake. It's like, well, so what? Right. It didn't exist before you did it anyway. There was nothing there. So whatever you did, that's just what you did, whether it worked or it didn't work. <laughs> I had a friend who uh, had a friend no longer, but um, <laughs> mm. who said, I am, she's a mother and she said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm flawed. And I've had this conversation before. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you mean you're flawed? You're my friend. You're not flawed. It's like, yeah, I'm flawed. I'm, I'm imperfect. And I'm like, well, you know what? You're a human being. And a human being is, part of being a human being is to be imperfect. Unperfect, imperfect, not perfect. And that's the part of being a human being. So whatever you deem from me that I made a mistake, that's called being human. Mm -hmm. And I get to live in that. I get to have that. I get to own that. That's what I get to be. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. yeah. The, for me, the flaws are the best part anyway. Totally understand. You know, when I, I when I look at people like my friends and the people that I love, their flaws are usually the thing that I kind of, what they would consider flaws are the things I love the most about them. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that makes them available and vulnerable and open are usually the flaws. Right. To me, I don't see them as flaws. So it's like, can I attach that to my own view of myself right. that these things that I see as flaws which there's such a huge list of are such a huge part of who I am what do you that 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 that's what makes me that's the best part of me oh, are God, the flaws yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah I, I was about to you ask know. what do you see as your flaws but it does it doesn't matter because we all have those things that yeah we well look and at we the go, same time I think that like you, you know our greatest flaws, if you want to call them that, are also our greatest strengths. And depending on how you use them, if I'm using them for my own purposes, usually it's a flaw. If I'm using them as a way to be of service to the greater community, then it turns it into an asset. Right. You know, it's like I'm a Virgo, so we're known for being overly analytical. My analysis is actually my greatest gift mm -hmm. because it's if I'm using it to be of service to the room, then I can take a look at what's working and what isn't working and then come up with a way that I can be of use to any situation. If I'm judging a person based on my analysis, then all I'm doing is deconstructing them and tearing, tearing them down, and trying to put them back together in a way that, that works. If I mm -hmm. take a situation and deconstruct it and see how I can put it back together that I can be of greater service to it, then I'm actually being useful in the world rather than just being destructive. You know, it, and it comes from the exact same impulse. It's just giving my flaws, if we want to call them that, <laughs> giving it something to do that's bigger than me. <laughs> that's it, exactly. To look at those things and also to say to yourself, what part of me do I enjoy activating? 
Um, mm -hmm. And what you're doing is you're enjoying activating that particular part. And when we enjoy, when we activate what it is that brings us joy, we we naturally want to do the thing that's adjacent to that, whatever that thing yeah. is that's adjacent to that. Because I look at a situation and I, I, you know, I'm not a Virgo, and I don't you know adhere necessarily to the astrological. Um, definition yeah, of things, yeah. which I get, and that's okay. But I look at something and I go, okay, um, what's another way to look at this? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter because that's the way that I look at things. Like, okay, words are very important to me. The way, that, mm -hmm. whatever the fuck it is that you just said to me, I am going to listen to it and I'm going to get joy out of it instead of not listening to it. Right. I love listening. Mm -hmm. And I also love being able to choose that which I engage in and right. not. Because that's all that there is to do. <laughs> right? So we have been talking. Have you been hearing what's going on in the background? Well, I hear that there's a dog barking. Okay, great. Now, yeah. there's a dog barking. Neither of us said, that fucking dog. Because that doesn't matter. We've decided no, not it, to To me, it meant somebody had a pet. <laughs> right. See, that's another way of looking. Like something, somebody had a pet. A friend yeah. of mine, my friend Jen Winters says, every time she hears a siren going by, mm. she gives it a blessing. Because someone... Absolutely. I do the same thing, actually. I love that. Or like you drive past an accident. It's just like all that traffic and then you drive past an accident. It's like, oh, help help, help this situation unfold for everyone to get what they need. Yeah, Help the situation to unfold. Yes, exactly. For everybody to get what they need. Oh, my God. We were coming back from uh, Palm Springs yesterday and there was a big traffic tie-up and somebody said there's an accident. And sure enough, there was a guy whose car... Now, when I first moved to L.A., there were a couple things that I just didn't understand in traffic. When they would say, <laughs> traffic on the nines. And they would say, one would be a car fire. And you go, a car fire? Because mm -hmm. Chicago, you don't have car fires. Were you on the two yesterday? Because that's where there, no. was a car, there was a car fire. No, no. But I'm saying there's always a car fire. <laughs> L.A. always has right. a car fire. Right. In New York. In New York. In Chicago. New York. In Chicago, you never heard of a car fire. I mean, I'm sure there are car fires. Sure. And here's another thing that L.A. has that we saw yesterday. A car's gone over the side right. on the 10. Mm -hmm. And I go, go over the side? What does that mean, go over the side? And yesterday, I saw a car go over the side. I've been out here for 20 years. Um, and it wasn't over the side. There's a guardrail, and this truck, for some reason, rode the guardrail on top of the guardrail. And we saw the truck on the side of the guardrail, <sighs> leaning against the guardrail. And he was outside of the truck with his little, it was a big, burly guy with a bowed bow, wearing a bow, lopsa opso, and he was just like comforting the lopsa opso as traffic goes by, and the, and the, and the, uh, the highway patrol is there giving everybody tickets, giving wow, them tickets, so and they're lucky. going, wow, you look at that, and you go, he, he was taking care of that dog, yeah. and I could say, what a douchebag, what was he driving, I have no idea what the fucking story was, yeah, but this yeah. is what I could do right now, give him a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, I try to do that when people are being assholes on the street because I realize it's like, okay, what am I really mad at when I'm like, you, when I like want to yell at somebody for riding my ass or like not paying attention? It's like, I'm scared for my safety. Therefore, I don't have to react from anger because it just upsets me when I do. So I find myself often kind of shouting out loud, like, be careful, <laughs> as people are trying, you know what I want to just go, you fucking asshole, right. it's like, be careful, you're not paying attention, right, right, because your life is worth so much, pay attention to what right. you're doing, right, right, it's that <laughs> idea of being mindful every moment that you're there, like, yeah. being mindful on the side of the stage, <laughs> that what you're about to do, you haven't done it yet, 
what right. you're about to do is what you're doing right now is not what you're about to do. What you're doing right now is what you're doing right now. I am backstage about to. Doesn't matter what the fuck I'm about to do. It'd be fun to go. I'm about to hit the stage. Here's something. Maybe you're not. Maybe something backstage is going to pull you away. You don't know that. So the idea of being here right now, being in traffic right now. Mm -hmm. When my uncle disappeared for two days uh, at his at his house in Beverly Wood, he disappeared for two days, and I was told your uncle disappeared for two days. Go to his house and see where he is. So I drove from Hollywood to Beverly Wood. It's maybe 25 minutes. Yeah. In that car ride, I was thinking, this is an interesting feeling. This is a feeling that I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. This is the feeling, that I'm, the feeling that I'm feeling is, I have no idea what's going to happen. Now, oh, yeah. I get to live in that feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen. That's the greatest thing. Not, oh my God, what's going to happen? What if he's dead? What if he's hanging? What if he fell? What, it's, none of that matters. What matters is, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to know what to do mm -hmm. the minute that I am there. And that's a walking mantra if there ever was one. That no matter what is going on, it's like, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm going to know the right thing to do. And for me, that's, that, that's what a higher power is. That's what that flow is. That's what you know. some people call God you know, or the Buddha or whatever. For me, it's that I know who I am. And I know that I will know the right thing to do at the right time when I need to do it. And that's the only thing that I need to know. Because for me, that's what faith is. Faith. That's what faith is. Is going, I will know the right thing to do at the right moment. So right. I don't have to worry about it. There's it, that, that, I love that. There's that phrase that Michael Bernard Beckwith from Agape, he, he says, mm -hmm. we, were, we were born, we, we have the answers to everything. Mm -hmm. But they're given to us on a need-to-know basis. Yep. Which I love. Um, and especially in improvisation where people are like, oh, what's going to happen next? It's like, I don't know. There's no such thing as next. But it's that, I've mentioned before in the podcast, we never get into a situation where we go, and then he did this, and then I had no idea what to do, and then I disappeared. The earth swallowed up. <laughs> it swallowed me up whole off of the stage. It opened up and it said, nope, nope, you're a failure. Trap door, boom, you're right. gone. Like, and I've been falling ever since. <laughs> exactly. Ever since I've yeah, been in the middle it, of air. That is exactly it. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I find like lately my, you know, I used to, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but I used to meditate all the time, kind of like for something to give me the right answer. You know, and it's like I find myself now as I'm as I'm chanting and I'm sitting there. I'm. It's like I am pulling forth the wisdom to deal with this and to know, you know, what it is for my happiness. Like I'm. This is what I'm doing right now. As I'm pulling that wisdom for me. I don't feel like I have it right now. Right. But I'm, I know the wisdom is there. But you do <laughs> have it right it now. Right. No, I said I don't feel. I see. Right. Right. <laughs> like I right. have it right now. But I know the wisdom is there. I'm. I'm. T I'm. Available to it right now, but don't you? But you have the wisdom to do what it is that you're doing. 
There's there's a wisdom that's inherent. That's already that. the wisdom. The wisdom right. is to even sit there and do that is already wisdom. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I no, I, I I again going back to whatever it is, and anybody listening to this, or anybody like certainly us, or anybody listening to this, there is something <laughs> that everybody right now is anticipating doing or having done to them or doing whatever it's going to be. Because if you have it done to them, you're it's done to you. You're doing it, right. and and to look at that and go, oh my God, that's going to happen. Just experience, I think, is like just experience that experience of you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the next thought in that often is, but I'm scared. Or what if it doesn't, or in the past it's like, none of that shit fucking matters. True. Also, too, I mean, something that I was thinking about, that I think about often, I'm not a, I don't, I'm not one of those people that believes that, doing something in the, you know, is, is the absence of fear. You know, there's some people who say like, you know, um, if you have fear, you're doing it wrong. Or like, I don't believe that. I, th- I don't think anything is ever the absence of fear. I go with the fear, take it with me, and we walk through it together. It's not like, if I have faith, then I won't have any fear. It's like, I have faith that this fear won't kill me. Right. <laughs> and I can do whatever's in front of me anyway. So... I can keep going. You know, it's never the absence of fear. And I think that we do that all the time. It's like, oh, well, if I'm scared, then I must, there must be something wrong. Right. Or if, I'm, that, there, if I'm A, hurt. there's never anything wrong. Right. <laughs> B, if I, if I did this thing and I didn't get what I wanted, I was talking to my best friend about this yesterday, where it's like I take its disappointment so personally or have in the past. I feel like I'm, you know, in a different place now. But I take disappointment so personally that if I did, I really went for something really went for it, didn't get what I set out to get. Because if I do something, then I should get what I, what I set out to do, to get out of it, right? right? Like, that's the way the universe works, right? Right. Okay, so if I don't get it, the disappointment, it, it's as if the universe has singled me out and that I have done something wrong and that now I am being punished. And it's like, no, people get disappointed all day long everywhere in the world. Disappointment happens. Can I stay with myself in the disappointment and go, okay, so I feel disappointed right now. Maybe sometimes I have to allow myself a time period. I will allow myself to feel disappointed for the next six hours. And then after that, I don't get to be disappointed anymore. We move on. Whatever but it, it is. Will, it will, that, that content, that emotional content will right. drain itself out. Right. It only, if I try to pretend like I'm not disappointed, will stick around for fucking ever. Absolutely. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm disappointed. Great. So what am I going to do now? Right. And here's another thing. And you pick up and you try again. and you Or you, you look, do something else. Or, or you do something else. Or you just go, okay, what did I learn? What worked? What didn't work? Can I apply that to now how I move forward? Of course you do. <laughs> exactly. That's the only thing that there is to do. And, and also whatever it is that you didn't get to do, you now get to do that which you are getting to do. And so whatever that disappointment is, for me, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm disappointed about. I think that... Mm-hmm. The, the life yeah. that I live right now is what it is that is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And so no expectations, no disappointments. So I can have an intention. Yep. And my intention could be, oh, you know what I really like to do? I, really, I, I have an intention of getting on a television show, whatever the fuck it is, right. which isn't my intention. But I have an intention of getting on a television show. You know yep. what I've done instead? I now travel around the world teaching theatrical improvisation and, and talking to my friends yep. on the podcast. And how could any of that possibly be wrong? 
Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you, you just said it. It's like when you don't have an expectation about it, there is no disappointment. Right. So even though maybe you had an intention for something, like I'm going to do this and I'm going to get into this other thing or I'm going to get this job or whatever. When you don't have an expectation about it, you can actually, you just go, oh, yeah, that didn't work. Okay, so what's next? Like, Not what's next, what's here. Right. 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 Because so what is here? Where, right. do, where do we want to go from right. here? Okay. So I walked, I walked to Mark's. And how liberating is that? Right. So I didn't know what was going to happen. I get to Mort's house. He wasn't dead. He would just disappear for two days. They found him. You know what? They're going to find him. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. We're going to be found. Mm -hmm. Wherever we are. Let's stop there. <laughs> wherever you go, that's where you are. And this is where we are. <laughs> this is where you will be found <laughs> wherever you go. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rizowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrizowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drizowski.